0: welcome to the future is podcast where we explore the future of your life and business i'm your host joe Tobis. our regular listeners know i am a future shaper and oversee global marketing here at honeywell today we're going to talk about how technologies are changing the way people and businesses interact Modern technology, like the Internet of Things and artificial intelligence, can help buildings be more efficient and reduce the amount of energy they consume, among other things. We're also going to look at how autonomous solutions can help us in a time of pandemic and beyond. And here to talk about that is David Trice, who is the chief product officer for Honeywell's software business and also happens to run the building software business. So, David, welcome.
1: Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here.
0: So first of all, as we speak today um, and record this from our respective homes, I want to say thanks for spending time with us, and I hope your family is uh, safe and healthy.
1: We're we're doing great, Joe. Uh, Thanks for asking. My kids are both in college. They're both doing online schooling here at home, and my wife teaches elementary school, and she has tried to invent uh, a way to do uh, online schooling for uh, elementary school age uh, children, which has been interesting to watch, but we're doing great.
0: So this podcast is all about the future and how technology and breakthroughs are are helping get us there. But it's really hard to talk about the future now without talking about coronavirus. You tweeted something recently that I wanted to quote and ask you about. You said, hashtag autonomous could keep productivity high during a hashtag pandemic. Can you tell us more about what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, indeed, uh, Joe. I think it's uh, becoming more and more evident how important that simple statement is in the world we live in today, you know, you imagine if if you're running buildings or plants or something industrial in nature, uh, today, there's very few people that are on site. And so it, when the the assets that operate that facility uh, need to continue to run at some capacity, how do you manage that uh, when, when the only way to really do it is on site? And right. so uh, we're starting to see uh, evidence, strong evidence that the world is realizing that autonomous really matters for business continuity and being able to make decisions and adjustments that aut- automatically are pushed to uh, a facility to, to, to make the the changes or, uh, or updates or turn things off, simply stated, um, are, are really critical at a time when people can't visit the location to make those changes for you.
0: I'm sure you're you're staying close with customers during this time as much as possible. What are they saying for now, and in in the months that come? You know, maybe even as they they get things back online.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think this is a a really important time to really listen carefully to what our customers are saying because their needs are acute. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if we can respond to those acute needs, then uh, then we're really driving driving impact. And so, you know, there's a, there's a few things that uh, that we're hearing. Um You know there is this need to be able to move to a connected world now so that we can manage things remotely um, but there's there's a couple of, of hurdles in the way, one in particular that our customers are 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 really highlighting for us is in order to be connected, you have to have a connection to the internet right from a given building and oftentimes that simple statement is part of the hardest process of getting connected because mm-hmm. Traditionally, the OT side of the world has to ask the IT side of the world to open a port in the network in order to connect to, connect to the internet. That process alone can, can sometimes take months and sometimes prevent the connection at all. And so what happens in a world where you have to manage the facility remotely and you don't have a connection? Well, you've got you've to find a way around that. And so we're launching a product. Uh, this quarter, very very soon in Q2 called Forge Connect, that will come uh, armed with a cellular connection. So the default mode upon installation and connection to uh, a, a BMS system that runs the building is that it'll use that cellular connection to connect to, uh, to the Forge cloud, thereby giving them an opportunity to remote manage, remote update um, the building instantly without having to go through... Uh, the negotiation of getting a port open that can sometimes uh, kill the whole process. So those little things are vital to a business's ability to run their operation.
0: What technologies have changed over the course of the last 10 to 15 years that maybe lead to some of the things that you're talking about now in terms of the future? Where where have buildings made changes? And I I, I talk about it like they're humans, but they have in general, right?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's an interesting uh, perspective, Joe. I uh, I've I spent a lot of time thinking about this because there's really kind of two worlds of buildings that live out there. There's the the existing buildings that uh, you know that are let's call them five or ten years or older, and then there's the new buildings that are you know five years and younger. And 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 I think you have to kind of think about it that way because the five or so years and younger. Are the buildings that have gotten swept up into this uh, this smart building, uh, you know, kind of thought process, and they are the ones that have done things that um, that are, are innovative and different and advanced, et cetera. But they're a small fraction of the overall buildings when you think about it right. from that perspective, right? And so, and so we, you know, as you think about where do we go from there in light of that, because it's it's really impractical to think that we can make every building uh you know uh, retrofitted to be uh the most advanced building in the world. I think that's just an impro- impractical uh goal. And so you've gotta you've gotta think about um where you want to go and how you can drive benefit uh to all of the buildings. Well as a result of that um we uh we're we really focused on on a number of trends uh that uh I think um Will will especially in this environment to to not you know a step away too far from that idea as well that um, that really are things that will help drive clarity for us in in building our solutions and there's really kind of three things first of all um, I I liken the buildings industry to the coming wave of iPhone five G upgrades and if I could maybe elaborate there a moment yeah. I, I'll make it simple for everybody um. So uh, Apple and others are preparing for this, uh, this wave of upgrades for, uh, as a result of 5G. Well, what, why, why is that? Well, because the Apple phone, iPhone, and, and other phones aren't today natively built on 5G technology. They're built for 3G and 4G and have an extension for 5G. The next wave of phones will be built natively for 5G. Well, right. that's, a, that's a technological advancement that can't happen any other way than doing a massive um, refresh cycle. Um, and that's got a lot of people excited you know, in the investment community about what the uh, upside for Apple and others look like. Mm-hmm. Well, the buildings mm-hmm. industry is not so much different, right? They've been, they've, been, uh, they've been building their automation systems in their buildings for years based on the analog of 3G and 4G technology. And and all of a sudden, they're coming to the point in a realization where if I want to be truly connected, I've actually got to take another step. And so we see as we move through the, the, the virus and get to a point where we're talking about real advancement and advancement across the full spectrum of buildings, there is an up, upgrade cycle that needs to happen. And it's not a holistic one. It's not one where we've got to go and, and rip out assets and put new ones in. Quite simply, it's just embracing some of the new IP-based business uh, um, automation systems that exist that give us an easier mechanism to, uh, to get data out of a building and drive control back in. Some of those kind of things have to happen. So that's one trend. Yep. Um, that, that, that upgrade cycle, the next trend yep. is, is interestingly enough, one that, um, I think is a sleeping giant. And that is, if you look at OT technologies, and by the way, this goes beyond buildings, this, this is across all industrial. If you look mm-hmm. at the people, the technicians that are doing the work, right. um, on the ground, you will notice in most cases, it's a gray haired segment of society. Yeah.
0: Right, right, their aging effect, and, right?
1: Right, and and these guys are retiring, and they're mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be gone. I have had the C C O O and head of real estate for a large hospital chain tell me that my my chief technician for thirty years is retiring in April, and there's nobody behind him.
0: Yeah, well, that institutional is, knowledge, right? Yeah, I can't imagine.
1: Yeah. So so here's a here's a problem that exists that again automation can help solve. Right, we've got to find ways. To replace that individual with uh, a system, because the the next wave of of employee that will want to drive those solutions is going to be a millennial, and they're going to want to do things differently, right? And so we've got to aim our solutions at that market, and make it more autonomous and make it more persona driven, so that we can got give it. these uh, individuals the tools that they need. Yeah. And then the last the last big uh, opportunity for us that that we're focused on currently is um is the one that we're living in at the moment uh and this has recently updated our our whole thinking around driving uh capability to our customers and that is um business continuity um yeah uh, our our customers are recognizing that they've really done very little to to be able to uh, to have continuous business operations in a scenario like we're in today um, right. and the ability to manage buildings um uh, remotely, and, and Joe, you may have recalled that uh, I gave some imagery over the course of last year of running my buildings from Starbucks,
0: right? I remember, um, yeah.
1: That, that is the epicenter, epicenter of business continuity for our customers, and so we're we're over-indexing on trying to bring those capabilities to bear to help our our customers really run their businesses better.
0: Let's put some context to what we talk about when we talk about buildings. Well, how many buildings are there around the world?
1: Well, our our estimates are you know somewhere in the thirty to forty million buildings around the world. Uh, it's a hard thing to know because a lot of yeah. the older buildings aren't very well documented. But that's the range that we that we think about.
0: And as you just mentioned, only a small percentage fit into that category of built with smart technology capabilities. So quite a few of these are, let's call them antiquated, I guess, or 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 built for a prior error.
1: Yeah, you know they're they're antiquated, they're outdated. They need a refresh cycle. I will tell you yeah. though, um, here's an interesting fact for you, and, I'll, and it goes back to the healthcare uh, um, uh, customer that I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, they built a hospital less than five years ago. It was uh, in their minds the most advanced hospital in the country at the time, um, as was and as and it had all of the smart bells and whistles, right? And as a result, they just assumed that it was the most energy efficient building in their portfolio. Well, they right. spent uh, they spent a million or so dollars to have a consultant come in and confirm that form. Turns out that it's the most energy consuming building in their portfolio, the complete oh. opposite of what they thought. Well, why is that? Well, people are designing, architects and, and designers and consultants are designing highly uh, efficient buildings, incredibly complex buildings, and they're handing those plans to uh, a construction firm who is uh, winning business based on low cost, those plans are then given to an <laughs> integrator who does the absolute minimum necessary to have the building be functional, and losing the design constraints that were that were originally built as a part of the plan. And as a result, yeah. you get a building that's unbelievably inefficient and terribly advanced. And so, I, I think that I think it's an epidemic that that buildings yeah. on one hand they need the refresh cycle to be run more efficiently. On the other hand, they're becoming more technologically advanced and they're outpacing a, a humans ability to manage them efficiently.
0: One of the things that I I, I find really interesting when listening to you is you talk about the challenges that people who manage like a portfolio of buildings rather than just one building. What is like a challenge there compared to somebody who's just managing a single building?
1: Yeah, there there are, Joe. Uh, um there's one of there's one of uh scale that uh that is is really kind of the epicenter of an organization's uh, expense. And, and, you know, just to kind of give you some round figures, let's take Honeywell, for instance. You know, we've got, you know, uh, north of 700 buildings. Um, but if you look at our P&L, um, the cost for that portfolio of buildings doesn't have its single line item, right? Mm. It's actually got five or it's got components of five or six line items that are really hard to put together and understand, um, you know, how efficient your buildings are being run. As a result, we we mm-hmm. estimate that it's twenty five percent of a of an indirect spend um, P and portion of the PL is associated directly with uh, real estate operations and building operations. Twenty five percent. Now you wow. can take that number and apply it to any company, any Fortune five hundred company in America, and it's a nine digit number. It's huge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so and so you go to a CFO and you say, look, t- uh, there's 25% of your P&L that you've got no control over. Well, that's going to get somebody's attention, right? <laughs> and right. and so, so that's that's the epicenter of the problem of managing a building portfolio today is that there's it's one of the biggest contributors to the P&L, but I've got no control over it. And so, mm-hmm. so how do you solve that problem? And how do you take those costs and pull them out of the P&L which is not an IOT problem, right? It's not even really just an OT problem. It's an enterprise problem. And so how do, you, how do you do that? And then you give not only visibility, but you give controls back to the organization so that they can run those buildings in that portfolio more efficiently. That's, that's really what we're trying to accomplish with our enterprise performance management solution, uh, which Forge represents, right? Is look at the problem of managing buildings at scale, uh, right. provide visibility and control, so that we can manage them more efficiently and drive benefit for the organization as a result.
0: So let's talk tech and let's start with artificial intelligence. How how are we and how is the industry using artificial intelligence in the future of buildings?
1: Yeah, great, great question. Um, I'll give you two kind of uh, specific examples that uh, are things we're doing today and and others in some form or fashion are doing as well. We spoke about energy optimization. uh, at the very core of that uh, capability is a, is a set of autonomous control routines. Inside of those routines are artificial intelligence and machine learning, such that we can learn uh, constantly the performance of a building. Not only how are the assets performing, but also is it cold outside or is it warm outside? How many people are in the building? Are the doors left open? Help me understand the seasonality and the day-by-day performance of the building so that I can make an adjustment in real time to optimize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to optimize, not just for sake of uh, saving money, but I, I want to ensure that I don't I don't uh, jeopardize uh, occupant comfort as well. And so yep. if I ever look like I'm going to exceed uh, a baseline of occupant comfort, let's turn the routines off so we don't make any changes because we want to over-index on people being happy. Well, that's a That's a fairly sophisticated uh, AI uh, algorithm that is uh, driving uh, millions of decisions, sometimes a month, oftentimes every time, almost a year, uh, that uh, it just really are, are impossible for a human to wrap their head around. Uh, you really can't hire right. enough people to make those kinds of decisions. And so that's one example of where AI is actually being set up to run a a process uh, in an optimized way.
0: David uh for those that uh, have listened to this podcast before I end the podcast asking the same three questions of my guests every episode so when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up
1: so it's it's evolved over time I wanted to be a football player for a while you you may know I've got a, a history of playing college football uh when I was in college yeah when I was in college I actually thought I wanted to be an investment banker until I realized that that idea that I had was really one of being an analytical person, which led me into the software space as I am today.
0: Second question: piece of technology you can't live without.
1: Well, I think that's a, a, a cliched, easy answer. Uh, it's probably the phone at this point, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it has become my second brain. And working at Honeywell, I have two of them, so I have two separate
0: brains now. So, question number three, David. If you were to look in your inbox right now, how many unread emails would you find?
1: (laughs) Uh, It's close to 1,700.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. You know what? I think you broke the record by um, an order of magnitude, actually. That That is something. All right. Well, hey, David, thank you for uh, for taking on the um, the big the big questions and and these uh, small and personal ones. I learned a lot today and I really appreciate you spending time with me.
1: Indeed. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Hopefully this can be helpful to to those that are out there, our listeners, and uh, and they can find a few new ideas to uh, to kind of drive forward their business as well.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review where you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to go behind the scenes of future technology.